Today's scripture is from the book of Isaiah, chapters 63 and 64. I will tell you of the kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised, according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for the house of Israel, according to his compassion and many kindnesses. He said, surely they are my people, sons who will not be false to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Look down from heaven and see, from your lofty throne, holy and glorious, where are your zeal and your might? Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us, but you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us, or Israel acknowledge us, You, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when the fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies. And cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard. No ear has perceived. No eye has seen any God besides you. Who acts on behalf of Of those who wait for him. You come to help those who gladly do right. Who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them. You were angry. How then can we be saved? Yet, O Lord. You are our father. We are the clay. And you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Thank you, Cherry. Well, good morning. There was an ad listed in Craigslist several years ago by a bunch of uh, guys that were wanting to get together and, and have a party at their home, none of them had fathers, or their fathers were out of country, out of state, and uh, they needed a father. So they put an ad for a generic dad on Craigslist. And here's how the ad went. We are looking for a father for an outdoor party. Uh, active, uh, desirable things for us is we want him to grill hamburgers and hot dogs for us. We would like him to refer to the attendees as big guy or chief, sport, champ, and talk to the guys that way. 
We want them to talk about dad things like lawnmowers or building your own deck or Jimmy Buffett, things of that nature. Additional requirements include a minimum of 18 years experience as a father, 10 years experience grilling, and we prefer your name to be Bill, Randy, or Dave. (laughs) The ad went viral, went all over the nation, all over the world, and their hopes actually was that they would end up getting Bill Murray uh, as their father, the actor. You know, we want a father in our lives. We really do. We all long for that. We all have different experiences with our earthly fathers. But we have this longing for a father to be in our lives. And we have a perfect heavenly father. And the truth is, he's no generic dad. He cares a lot more than calling you sport cares a lot more about just barbecuing burgers, although he loves barbecues, by the way. And as we look at Isaiah 63 and 64, what I hope we'll see is the amazing love of the Father. I hope that we will know and come to draw close and come to understand who our Father is, Abba, our Daddy, that we would look to Him The same Father that Jesus called Abba. The same Father that you and I can call Daddy. Listen to Romans 8, a beautiful passage about who we are in Christ, in the Father. Romans 8, starting at verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, and that would be those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Do you know that about yourself? The spirit you receive does not mark you as slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And that means everything included with that. And by him, by the spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are indeed God's children. And He is your Father. Now if we are children, then here's the promises and here's what's true. Now we are heirs. Heirs of God and we are co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. I want you to take time this week and going through Romans 8, okay? This expands who we are, our identity in Christ. Our identity as children of God. That He is our Father. Just like He's the Father of Jesus. You know, it's really interesting. Brad was praying the Lord's Prayer. And it's really interesting when we go to the Lord's Prayer and... And the disciples, the one thing the disciples ask Jesus to teach them is teach us to pray. Not teach us to cast out demons, not teach us to heal people. Teach us to pray. And so Jesus says, pray this way. It's not a formula. It's the big picture of understanding who God is. Pray this way. And he starts out with, our Father 
That's significant. Why didn't he start out with, Oh, heavenly Father, oh, heavenly one, most majestic one, most fantastic, awesome God. Because he wanted us to know our place. He wanted us to know that we're children. He wanted us to know that we could come to him and say, Daddy. And then he wanted us to recognize, Daddy, you're the awesome one. You're the hallowed one. You're the one who can do this work in my life. You're the one who can transform me. You're the one who can, can enter into my situation. You're the only one who can fix any of this. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. But at first, it's Daddy. We need to know that about the Father. Do you know the Father this way? Or do you live with a spirit of fear? Like, I've always got to somehow live up to the Father and please Him. And when I make a mistake, boy, there's judgment's coming upon me. You don't have that spirit anymore. You have the spirit that cries out, Abba, Daddy. He wants us to know Him. Let's pray for that this morning. Father, I pray for each and every one in this room that your spirit will pour out upon us, that you will minister to us, remind us that we are your children and that you are our Father. And not only are you our Father, you are awesome God. And your desire with us is to shape us and to mold us into your image. You are the potter and we are the clay. May we surrender unto your molding of us and conforming us into your image. Will we stop kicking against that, Lord, and let you do your work in us? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Amen. The Bible says in Jude chapter 21, it says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, how do we do this in the love of God, being reminded of the love of God? How do we stay there? And what Isaiah 63 and 64 are going to show us is is by remembering and talking about His goodness. I will tell of the steadfast love. I will tell of of the kindnesses of God in my life. The deeds that He is worthy to be praised. All the good things that He has done for Israel. Chapter 63 starts off for us. According to his compassion and his many kindnesses in our lives. Do you ever wonder how you go about sharing the gospel? How do I share the gospel more effectively? Maybe you, you struggle with that. Struggle in your faith to, to share that. Not quite even sure what to say. And what Isaiah 63 is pointing out, a wonderful way to share the gospel. I'm just going to tell all the amazing things that God is doing in my life. I don't have to have some great Lee story of being met in prison. We all want the prison story. It's a good one. And we thank God for it. But we all don't have the prison story. But what we do have is we have what God's doing in our lives. And the amazing things that He's doing. That He's transformed us. That He's giving us 
good life, that he's, that he's meeting us in the middle of our suffering, and he's delivering us out of that. He's being our strength when we're going through the hardship. God is doing amazing things. So tell about it. That's how you share the gospel. Tell about the goodness of the Father. Because we have a good Father. Do you know Him? Wouldn't it be so cool if a co-worker came to you, Hey, tell me about your weekend. Oh my gosh. Since you asked. God has given me the best wife. Let me tell you. We had the most amazing weekend. And we went and we did some ministry. There's, there's a lot of homeless people in town. I don't know if you knew about that. But then we, we went and we, just, we served them and we cared about their lives. And God really showed up. And I'm just blown away by my wife. She's an amazing woman. I can't believe she married me. God is good. I love marriage. Don't you, buddy? Don't you love marriage? Unless you see their response. But that's, that's what God's doing in my life. Don't be shy about that. They asked, how was your weekend? Okay, here's the door. Think about the woman at the well. Think about the woman at the well. She didn't know Jesus. But then she encountered him at the well in the middle of the afternoon because she was a woman of five husbands. What did she do after she encountered Jesus? How long had she known Jesus? Just that moment. What does she do? She runs into the city. i got to tell you about this guy, Jesus, and all the amazing things that he's done and said to me. And then what does she say from there? Do you remember? Come and see this guy. I want you to know this guy, Jesus. He told me everything about me. And you know what? It wasn't a barrier to him. All of my shame of all my husbands and my shame in life, I'm not allowed in the community. Everybody knows me. He knew all about me. And he kept talking to me. And he said, here's living water. And it's me. Come and meet him. Oh, I will declare the loving kindness, the steadfast love of the Lord. I'm not going to shut up about it. We need to be a people who are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ by our lives. Do you ever wonder sometimes how you're going to make it through the month, through the week, through just today? Remember the good things that Abba has done for you and His faithfulness in the past. That He will sustain you. He's going to get you through this one. You know, sometimes there's days where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through the day. This is a brutal day. I've got real hardship going on. How am I going to make it through? God's been faithful to you. And He will continue to be. Why? Because he's your father, and guess what? You're his child. And so we remain in that. He steps in with the father's love, with compassion, the scriptures say, with kindness. He gives us an identity. We are his people. We are his children. And because of that, the spirit testifies, the spirit moves in it. Cry out, Abba, Daddy, and run into his arms. Guys, you don't have to be a big macho dude and figure it all out. Run into Daddy's arms. And we remember His amazing grace. He is our Savior. 
He is our deliverer. And verse 9 says, In all of the distress that we were going through as His children, the Father, too, was distressed. He was aching. He was in pain. And the angel of His presence came in and saved them. In His love and mercy, He redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them out as of the days of old. Abba grieves. Abba hurts. When we as His children hurt, He hurts with us. Sometimes you think He doesn't care. You wonder where He is. And let me just tell you the answer to that. He's weeping with you. He suffers with you. By the way, He went through all the suffering for you. And He gives us what we need through His Spirit so that we can make it through the ache, through the pain, that the groanings, He goes through the groanings with us. He doesn't have us just avoid all the suffering and the trial. He goes through it with us. Christianity is not a a get-out-of-prison-free card. We suffer. This is... This is the course for the Christian. And he says, I grieve and I ache with you. And his spirit meets us there. Here's what Romans 8.26 says. Again, spend time in Romans 8 this week. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the spirit himself intercedes through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. See, the Spirit, the one who set up our adoption as children, he steps into our weakness and he groans for us and with us in our suffering. We don't even know. You know, sometimes there's just days and you're like, I don't even know what to pray. This is so hard. I don't even know what to say to God. But I'm hurting. And I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of rescue. The ache is too deep. What's the promise of God? The Spirit intercedes for us in our groanings, in our ache. And He will lift up those prayers, and the Father knows the heart. And He responds to the Spirit. You know, this beautiful passage in Romans 8 about groaning, everything's groaning, the earth is groaning, we're groaning, longing for heaven. We groan in the sufferings of the day. And God's going to deliver all that, and He's going to be with us in all of it. And this passage, a lot of our charismatic Pentecostal friends have really done damage to it because they say, well, when, we, when the Spirit steps in and He groans for us, that's, that's actually us speaking in tongues. And they try to make this a whole tongues passage. And they really do damage to the passage. It's not what the passage is about at all. I just want you to know that. The passage is about the Spirit stepping into our groanings. Because the Father loves us. 
And the Father wants you to know that we're His children. And He responds to our ache. And He sends the angel of presence to save them. I love that wording, the angel of presence. Listen to this, dear friends. Wake up if you're not awake. Because I want you to I want you to catch this. Sometimes the way that God uses us through the power of his Holy Spirit to step into the ache with a brother or sister and to save them out of their awful situation, to, to just be by their side. Sometimes the only way he does that, and the, and the most powerful way he does that, is he sends us as his presence. Do you get that? We're just his presence. You don't have to say a thing. Just be there. Be the Father's love. Be the Lord's love for this brother or sister. And just by your presence, i got to be honest, there's sometimes people who are wondering about life, whether I should live or not, just your presence saves them. Literally. Where are you going to be a presence this week? Where do you know you need to step in? You don't have to figure it all out. Just show up and be the presence of the loving Father. Let His Spirit work through you. Be present this week, full of love and mercy. And He carries them. I have the image of like soldiers carrying a wounded soldier on His shoulder. Or like a daddy picking up his little child and you have to cross a stream, but it's too deep for the child, but not for you. So you pick up your child and you go across the river and bring him to the other side to safety. That's who our Father is. Do you know Him? We can cry out, Abba, Daddy. We can trust Him that He will be the Father that He is. All of these beautiful things, all that He has done, I will tell about it. And so the question for all of us is, do you? And more so, will you? Will you tell about His amazing love? All that He has done. And verse 10 goes on to say, this is, this is what's tragic to God's heart. Here's everything that I've done for you. And then verse 10 says, and yet they rebelled. It's like, thanks God. But I don't want any of it. And it grieved his Holy Spirit. And so then the scriptures say he went to be their enemy. Let me, let me define that. Let me clarify that. Basically, he disciplined them. He brought righteous judgment upon them. Why? Because they're his children. And they're going down a path that's going to lead to death. And you keep going down that path. You keep running into the highway on the street, you are going to get hit by a car and you're going to die. And so, yeah, I'm going to grab you strongly and I'm going to speak to you in strong terms. Don't go in the highway. Real love, real love disciplines. Real love shapes and molds. Real love does that. The unloving father would say, go ahead, kid. Go wherever you want. 
you want to run in the highway, good with me. What parent is going to do that? Because real love offers correction. And sometimes it's strong. And so God is going to bring strong correction and he's going to battle against them because they're going down a path. Isaiah cries out in 11 through 14, and really the question is, the question is, where is he? Where's the one who brought us through the sea, his Holy Spirit among them, his arm of power, who divided the waters? And there they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. And it was there you made yourself a glorious name, Father. It's a plea for Abba to come home. Come back into our presence, Lord. I saw a picture of a friend of mine on Facebook the other day. And he, uh, he has to travel a fair amount. And it's hard on the family. Those of you who have to travel, you know what that's like. But the picture that the mom sent was of the little girl in the back seat. Daddy's outside the door, you know, at the airport, drop off. And the little girl is reaching for daddy. And her face is just crying. I mean, she's just weeping. And she's reaching out. And, and the picture was, daddy's off, you know, to travel. Daddy's off to work. Pray for my little girl. She misses her daddy. And, and all week long, what's the question? When's daddy coming home? When's daddy coming home? That's what the people of Israel are saying. Where, where's daddy? Where's the one who came in his strong strength? Where is he? Has he abandoned us? What's it like for you when all of a sudden you're separated or you're distant from God, the Father? Do you long for him to come back? Do you draw close to him, saying, Lord, I've been distant, draw close to me? Or do you say, well, I'm just going to do my life on my own. I've wandered away, which is what the Israelites have done. They've wandered away. Daddy's distant. And we can either stay in that place, distant, or we can cry out to Abba, Father, I need you. Forgive me. Return. I long for your presence. Do we care? The Israelites are getting to this place in their brokenness, and as they've been judged by the Heavenly Father in righteous judgment, and as they've gone through suffering, they cry out in verse 15, Look down from heaven and see, look from your lofty throne. Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us. We want it back. We're distant from you, but we long for your zeal, for your might, for your compassion, for your tenderness. Don't keep it from us, O Father. Now look at verse 16. Best verse. Here's the truth. In the middle of all this suffering, in the middle of all this pain, and we rebelled against you in the middle of it all, but you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel doesn't acknowledge us, you, O Lord, you are our Father. You're our Redeemer from old. That is your name. Isaiah 
And the people of God, I think, are reminding themselves. And it also seems they're trying to remind God. Hey, don't forget, you're our Father. We need you. But it's also, I think, a humbling state. You're our Father. Don't forget you're our dad. And as our dad, do what dads do. Step in. Help us. Verse 16 reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son finally coming to his senses. I think that's what Israel's doing. Yes, I have a father, a good and loving father. And I will go to him. And we all know the story of the prodigal. The father was waiting for his return. That's who Abba is. Come to your senses. And you know what? Our prayer for those who've wandered off, pray for them that they would come to their senses and realize they have a father who loves them. He comes and they appeal to God's name. He is the one who cares for us. Come and do something. And at the end of chapter 63, we're left with this longing and this waiting. And then we dive into 64. And you hear the cry of the people. God, step into this broken mess. Respond to this cry. We need you. It's really, chapter 64 is this call for revival. It's time to revive. We sing it this morning. Revive us again, Lord. We've been living in this apathy. We've been living in just this numbness. We've been going through life in rebellion and not listening to you. Father, revive us again. Like in the days of old, be the Father that you are and we submit to your work in us. You are the potter. We are the clay. Revive us. Make your name known. Let there be a revival that happens in us. How does revival start? How do revivals happen? Do we bring in a cool Christian band and an awesome speaker and hold up a good old-fashioned tent revival and say, everybody come! Let's be revived by God! You know what? Those have wonderful validity and, and they've done a lot of good work, those tent revivals. And they still do to this day. But how does revival really happen? A broken and contrite heart. A heart that's repentant to God. And saying, God, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. God gets a hold of a heart like that. And a community like that. Israel had rebelled. And Israel, as a community, starts to repent. God, revive us. Step into this mess. We want to remember the days of old, all your goodness and faithfulness. You are our Savior, our loving Savior, our Father. Do your work in our midst. Verse 5 is he meets those who joyfully live in righteousness, those who remember his way. It's a simple obedience, isn't it? Walking in his ways, a humble heart. But we're stuck in this sin. We're stuck. 
We can't do it on our own. The question in in verse 5 of chapter 64, how can we possibly be saved? We've tried to do it on our own, but we are covered with sin and filth, and everything we try to do to, to gloss it up and to do it on our own is failing, and we're miserable, and our soul aches, and we have no life. We're living in death. The town of Celebration, a Disney town, 16-acre utopian community, just 10 minutes from Walt Disney World. It was developed in order to promote Disney values. It was meant to be this little utopia with white picket fences, all the houses the same, all the beautiful flowers in the front, very perfect. If you remember the Truman Show, you probably get the idea. But several years ago in this utopian society, living in the Disney values, there was a murder. And then three days later, a man who was distraught over the loss of his job and his his marriage was falling apart, he took his life and shot himself. This is in Disney. This is in celebration. This is supposed to be perfect. We have white picket fences, for goodness sakes. And we've created it. We've made it to be this perfect society. Articles were written saying that there's cracks that are forming on the sugary veneer of this town. The town where visitors can take carriage rides with horses and go past the beautiful homes where there's supposed to be happiness all around. You see, perfect towns and white picket fences can't hide the broken human heart. We are so covered. We are so unclean. Our garments are so polluted. Our sin is like the wind. It's just sweeping us away. So many of us get to the place where sin has taken us so much further than we ever wanted to go. How do we get out of this mess? How can we be saved? We repent like the prodigal. And look at verse 8, and we're going to finish with this. But you, O Lord, you're our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. We have a Father who's been faithful. We have a Father who loves us. We have a Father who can save us. We have a Father who redeems us. We have a Father who will and can forgive us, who went to the cross to make that happen. Rescue us, Father. Change us. Mold us. You are the potter. We are the clay. We had a clay wheel in our home growing up. My mother was a potter. And I'd watch her make her beautiful artwork, her bowls and her glasses, her cups, all her designs that she would make. And I'd watch her take this lump of clay, really just this glob, set it on the wheel, and she'd start to get that thing spinning. She knew what she wanted to make. And the thing I loved about watching my mom is her hands would press into the mud. And then she'd start to shape and bring it up and then let loose and shape. Both hands pressed in. Do you understand that about our potter, the Heavenly Father? 
He's got both hands pressed in on us, shaping us, molding us with tenderness and love and compassion, conforming us into the image of his son, Jesus, shaping us. You are the potter. We are the clay. I submit to that. Shape me. Save me. Rescue me. Mold me. And then she would shape her beautiful pot and then she would add color to it. That's what the Lord does with us. He adds color to us. Life. And then one of the ways he adds the most color to us is you know what happens after you add the color? Then it has to go to the kiln. Then it has to be put to the fire. And that's when it becomes most beautiful. That's when it becomes what it's made for. That's when it becomes when it becomes useful for God's intended purposes. And then God presents this wonderful beautiful clay pot his hands upon it and so we can cry out Abba Daddy let's pray our Father who art in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done we cry out together, Abba, Daddy, we love you. Amen.